G'day, welcome to Radio Notes, where those in music talk life, those in life chat music and more. The Silly Goat, our feature chat this episode. 2017 visit to Broken Hill became quite a dark trip. One of the lights on the visit came in the form of the best coffee had in quite a long while. Had a chance, while I was not 100% then, to speak with the boss of the must-stop-at cafe in the town. That coming up in a moment, but first... In the box. Rose Tinted. It's a brand new one by the Temples of Youth. It's currently available on their Spotify and SoundCloud. It's a brand new single from an outfit I've been following for a number of years and always look forward to a new release from them. That's Temples of Youth and Rose Tinted. Universal Music has information of Catherine Britt's new one, Hillbilly Pickin' Rambling Girl off the CMC Songs and Stories EP to be released on the 18th of October. Catherine says of the song originally from my debut album, the song is still one of their favourites. And one more here from Val Rulin. His single Going Away has been dropped, turns the rearview mirror on his trials and rides through the storm of youth and the heartland rock anthem that has been released from them. Let's head now to our feature guest. Last episode, we heard about tea. This time round, coffee gets brewed and a look in. While in Broken Hill in 2017, radio notes drop past the Silly Goat in the centre of the Australian outback town to speak to the coffee maker and cafe manager, Emily Keenan. Emily Keenan, welcome to Radio Notes. Thanks, John. Where did you first decide that coffee was going to be your knowledge base? This is going back to when I left school and I didn't have any aspirations to leave Broken Hill or go to university. I didn't have any interest in any other studies. I just thought I might get some experience in hospitality and I wanted to gain some skills. I started working at a little cafe and I just picked up making coffee and then it just became something that I became a little bit obsessive about and wanted to know more and sort of go further into just becoming better at it and I looked into some further education in uh, Sydney and went and did quite a big amount of training in that time I got lots of experience working in some cafes in Sydney as well and then from there it's just sort of grown and grown and grown and grown over the years. The important thing about the timing I think here is this is way before the whole barista craze of the world took over. When I was doing my study in Sydney, I could tell you that most baristas looked like science geeks. No offence, baristas. But uh, it was definitely something that sort of more introverted type of characters were doing and they were quite obsessive about it. They were really looking into the science of making coffee, not so much the flair of making coffee, not trying to show off. They just really loved the science of it and uh, nobody else in my life had a passion for making coffee at that time so it was really something that was unknown in this town. You use the word obsession. Obsession with tasting, obsession with flavour, with aroma, obsession with perfecting milk, perfecting latte art, you know obsession with making it better and better every time, making it better than the last one because it's so variable that was the challenge. How does the euphoria sit these days when you make a coffee? Mostly I find making coffee a lot of fun. 
and the busier we are and the more pressure that we get from our customers, the higher the expectation, the more of the buzz I get off of it. I've been doing it for long enough now that I, I'm not scared of the challenge of the pressure. What has been your hardest coffee to make? Espresso. Espresso is hard. It shows all the faults. It really shows out how good of the barista is. And it's not so much about the quality of the beans, the quality of the equipment. It's more so about whether or not the barista knows what they're doing. Does the customer's engagement affect the quality of coffee they may get? No, not at all. No, it doesn't. Like, every barista definitely has a screwed-up face to a certain coffee order. Mostly we have a respect for the coffee in its absolute purest form and the more that people add to that and try and strip away the pure flavour of the coffee by adding sugar and adding milk and we feel slightly offended I guess but um, at the same time part of the hospitality industry is being so open-minded and accepting of whatever people and how they want to enjoy it. It doesn't change the way that we serve it to them. It may change the type of customer service they receive. But like here at the Silly Goat, we in particular, we're liking to try and educate people. How you go about that, I guess, from your philosophy of education? We won't serve anything that tarnishes our reputation. There's like a, a minimum standard, you know, we won't overheat our milk to the point where it doesn't matter who you are once you heat of milk to a certain point it's going to taste horrible and then the, the blame gets put on the barista saying that they can't make a good enough coffee but you know it, it really does come down to that we do draw a line with that can I only imagine it's frustrating being told how to make something that is one word really coffee <laughs> what we're trying to do now with having such a big customer following we're trying to educate people to, to do less milk-based coffee and try drinking black coffee and it's mostly for the appreciation we get some really high quality specialty coffee in that's that come from amazing parts of the world and just like drinking you know beautiful wines it's an opportunity to taste something a farmer has put in a lot of pride and a lot of people have put in a lot of work in order to get something that's beautiful to the cup and drinking Black coffee really shows through with that and we're trying to educate people in not only espresso coffee but trying new forms of drinking black coffee, getting in this beautiful single origin that rotates weekly. A lot of our black coffee customers are so excited every week knowing that they're going to have that new taste experience. Yeah, and then people are really buzzing on cold brew coffee as well which we take a lot of effort and a lot of time to cold brew some beautiful single origins as well. Travel has played a big part in your life before coming back to Broken Hill. When I was younger, I was a little bit of a free spirit in that I liked to just spur of the moment, make a choice to change and go and do something. And I generally did it. And I didn't have a lot of responsibility. And I wasn't sort of a teenager that was looking for responsibility. So I had that freedom to be able to do that. So I did leave Broken Hill to go and live in other cities. And... From there, my... Well, I think, actually, you know, like, growing up, my mum and my dad really told us, us kids, our whole lives, to go and travel and see the world and that it'll change our lives. And so I always had that in the back of my mind that I wanted to do that. Scary thing, though, to leave a small town. You're really in your comfort zone and go and live in a city where you're quite anonymous and 
you know, making new friends and things like that. So I think that in itself, once I did leave and learned how to, to deal with those things, I just really got excited about the potential for, like, where I could go and what I could do and just hospitality would take me there and be able to support me along the way. And so you're on this path of travel. I had so many different jobs while I was living in Sydney and Brisbane. There was up and downs when my passion for hospitality sort of faned and then I got the passion back again when I'd get another new job that was really inspiring and lots and lots of experience. When I did come back to Broken Hill, gave me a whole new way of looking at what coffee was going to be in this town and hospitality in this town what I wanted to bring to this town that I knew wasn't here from my experience of like working in the industry. Was there a level of trust that you needed from the people of the town not just the family to take up this venture? In a way you always rely on on that on the on the trust of people small town and everybody knowing everybody it's not really hard for your reputation to either do well or not pretty quickly you were saying you've just come from these bigger cities where you're somewhat anonymous so you didn't have that pressure did you no I didn't I did have enough talent as a barista to like do me well in the jobs that I was working as a barista in sure like I very quickly got a lot of praise from people that I worked for and the customers that I had coming back here everybody knew who I was again familiar faces everywhere it didn't take long before word spread that I was running the cafe and everybody knew that I made good coffee when I was younger and they sort of they did trust that as well and the other thing was that our energy in the in the store having a family-owned business makes it so much easier to really enjoy yourself because you're working with people that you trust and you're all working towards something together that you're building together so it's a lot of fun and you can have a really good energy within your team that's working for you and with you. What's your sense of history about this town and what, I guess, from a youthful perspective, what are you doing to, to keep some of that history alive in this town? Well, everybody knows that Broken Hill is a mining town. That's really deep-seated in the culture in this town and our, in our history and locals always talk about is that that's what keeps the town alive that's what keeps the population here and a lot of people take a lot of pride in that because it's families generations after generations after generations of the families that are working in the mines and have or something have something to do with it and it's a really family orientated town so people take a lot of pride in you know when their partners and their husbands and fathers brothers are all working on the mines and I think we take a lot of pride in the hard work and the history of our generations before us. And with our new renovation, we're trying to really target tourism. Unfortunately, being a small town, there tends to be a lack of things for tourists to do outside of going and learning about our history. And... We're just trying to create a space where tourists can come and not only like share a good dining experience with us, but also see that there are people in this town that take so much pride in our history. So we've really played on that with the way that we've designed our new cafe. What is the plans for, for this little cafe? Lots of plans. It's been a very long time coming. It's been about it's about the third year now Are that you we've been emotional. No, I'm I'm laughing actually because the process of us 
planning to go into this new shop, it started as a small idea on a way for us to own an, an investment property that was our business. Renovating from scratch, trying to create something that was new and contemporary so that we enjoyed our space because it was our space as a family. And from there, it's been this roller coaster ride of learning how to set up a new business, renovate a building, the ups and downs that come with that. So many times Gideon and I have said that Leonie should write a book on the what not to do's. And is um, that the mother? Yeah, right. yeah, so that's my mum. She's incredible. She has, she pretty much at the moment is working full-time hours working with her hands in the new cafe building. So tiling and plastering, painting, cleaning up all of the like the dirt and the mess and the rubble that comes with renovations. And yeah, she's a, quite an inspiring woman. Just having a bit of a laugh there because the three years that we've just gone through to get to this point, which we're nearly at opening point about, um, we're not just under six months from opening. Uh, it's just been one problem after the other and us just holding on to that vision that eventually we will be there. But it sort of gets to this point where it feels like a dream. By having family around, faith is a little bit easier when these things aren't going right, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of people say don't go into business with family, but really at the end of the day, when you go into business with family, whatever problem it is, is everybody's problem, and we deal with it together and we take it on together. And yes, it does cause a lot of chaos in the family dynamic. Like, we don't always get along, but... It really teaches you how to get, like, how to get along with your family. You know, when something's got to be done, and the, and the thing is that it's just such an incredible vision when you know that it's forever. You're always doing it forever together, and there is that much trust there because you would never let each other down, and that only happens with family. You can't have that with just an, a normal business partner mm. who can just change their mind at any moment and want to sort of leave the venture and. And closer those family ties are, and I said brother, mother in this case, the closer those ties are, the, the, the stronger it's got to be. Yeah. Like, we've discovered some fantastic ways to utilise each of our own skills. My sister does all of our raw, healthy sweets and treats and has gotten a name for herself now with these healthy treats. And, you know, people come from everywhere and say that they've never tried anything like it. And so that's a reputation in her, like, in its own but without having been a family business, she wouldn't have had the freedom to be able to come in here at any time that she liked and, and experiment using the products that we've got and have the ability to have a space to, to start experimenting with those things. And it's been all through trial and error that she's come to like create these incredible recipes that people are asking for. And So that's just one example. And over time, each of um, Gideon and I have both come to realise that we're, we're better suited to certain areas and we let each other do it and there's a give and take yeah absolutely yeah absolutely let's go back to the coffee people sometimes think without a coffee in the morning they aren't going to get that focus they need true or false oh people can think whatever they think i've worked in the industry for 13 years and i used to need to have my double shot piccolo every single morning i'd probably have six or seven of them on a busy rush morning then nowadays I only drink black coffee because that's how I enjoy to drink coffee I drink coffee for the enjoyment of it I don't like the caffeine effect I don't like relying on it to 
keep me awake. I like to get up in the morning and just feel alive and feel awake because I choose to be. Yeah, can you talk us through that? Because for a lot of people, it, it's the stimuli, not necessarily the taste. And you're clearly saying, and rightly so, it's about the enjoyment, the taste. At what point did you know that it might be unhealthy to have it just for the buzz? It's all about listening to your body, really. Everybody is different, and we know that you know, some people can have caffeine at 9 o'clock in the morning and it keeps them awake in the middle of the night, that following night, you know, one coffee and that really has an effect on them. Other people can drink it all day, one after the other after the other, and it has absolutely no effect on them at all. So everybody is different. For me, uh, there, are, there are times when I feel like I'm lacking a little bit of focus and, yes, if I have two long blacks... You know, in the first couple of hours in the morning, it really does pick up my heart rate and it allows me to move a bit quicker and I'm a little bit sharper. With that said, I don't rely on that. I don't look for that. Mm -hmm. I don't look for that buzz. I like to be clear and focused because I choose to be. Hi, I'm Rishi K. Sherway. And I'm Joshua Molina. We're from the West Wing Weekly and you're currently listening to Radio Notes. Radio Notes, where those in music talk life and those in life chat music and more. You can join us on The West Wing Weekly for an episode-by-episode breakdown of the television show The West Wing. Josh was the star of the show, and we give you behind-the-scenes insights and deep dives into the issues raised in the storylines of the show. You can find us on Radiotopia.fm or through your favorite podcaster. For now, back to John Merch and Radio Notes. Currently conversation with Emily Kin of The Silly Goat in Broken Hill, Australia. Brought me up to the controversial question I thought I'd never have to ask a barista, but heck, we're getting along okay, let's ruin it. Are baby chinos worth their while? Oh, we're going to start charging $5 for them. No, I'm just joking. So, baby chinos, for in the middle of a barista rush, like it, really, it's no big deal. It, when it comes down to it, you know, we have to make ridiculous amounts of 16-ounce large takeaway cups, and they take so much more time and so much more effort and a lot more focus, and you've got to use more milk and more coffee, and it's really, really not cost-effective for businesses to serve 16-ounce coffee cups. So when it comes to a baby chino, it's not really that big deal. So a baby chino is just just the foam in a tiny little cup with a bit of chocolate sprinkled on the top so, so that um, little bubs can look just like mum when they go to the cafe together. It doesn't go any, against anything that we believe in. Mm. It's not somebody who's asking you to make a quarter-strength, large takeaway, skinny milk cappuccino, extremely, extremely hot with extra, extra flat, no froth, five sugars. Like, we find that as an insult to the quality of the coffee bean that we use, but we're still going to, we'll, we'll do. So from the baby chino point of view, you see it somewhat of a, a cultural thing where, where it's a togetherness thing. It actually has a positive... Absolutely. You know, my nephew comes in and he's four and he's been coming in ever since he was he was born and he could walk. He's been running around our cafe and nothing brings me more pleasure than what something fun and yummy that I can create for him in the cafe. I love making him hot chocolates or draw. we love drawing pictures on the top of his little hot chocolate now and putting marshmallows in the top of it. And I lo- Anything that gives him a buzz really makes me just feel such joy and that's what we love kids like that they're, they're, they're such a beautiful energy to have around and of course all kids don't are not always well behaved and it does create chaos in our cafe and it's loud and but you know like it's just this part of life and you know this is what mums and dads deal with every single day in their household 
and the, the last thing that we want is for them to have to come and get angry at their child when the child just wants to, you know, do what they do, in, but it's in the cafe. We don't have an etiquette about that. And we mentioned about the culture as well, and so when they do start having their first coffees later on, that idea that coffee can bring culture and togetherness. I think it's everything that we're about. It's the absolute fundamental reason why we have chosen to stay in this industry and do what we are doing, because we recognise how much as a close-knit community we need to bring people together so that we can soldier on in making sure that this community lasts and that this town lasts and that it's a beautiful place for not only for people to stay young people to not want to leave because there's because it's not a beautiful place to be but also that when people do come here and they move here for work or for a change of scenery that it is a somewhere that they just feel like they, they feel like home and the only way that something feels like home is when it feels like family and when it feels familiar and welcoming and it's what every single hospitality business should strive to do. They should be bringing people together because the only thing that we are doing is making people pay for their food and they don't have to do that, they can do that at home. So why do they go out to do it? For us it is all about the energy, it's all about bringing people together and sharing space and getting it out of this sort of feeling like we don't talk enough, you know, we want to bring people back together. The whole theme of the shop represents the bush, so the textures are the outback, the textures are industrial mining town, they're old, they're rusty, but with that we bring contemporary, so everything still feels... 2017 open it's bright it's light it's it'll definitely be noisy (laughs) but only full of happy people and the sounds of people sharing the space and talking and relating and children and families and lots of share tables you know bringing the outdoors in really trying to open everything up Emily, do you reckon you've achieved through this Brewster journey what you wanted to achieve when you didn't know what you wanted to do back then? The first thing I said once I decided I was going to do my first ever Brewster certificate with the Danes Coffee Institute in Sydney, I I really didn't realise what I was in for. I said, I'm going to be Australian Brewster champion. So I'd seen the competitions on YouTube and I said, I'm going to be the Australian Brewster champion, and went and did the first theory lesson, the the certificate I'd chosen to do. Actually got trained. At the time, he wasn't, but he later became Australia's Brewster champion and one of the World Latte Art champions. The amount of knowledge that came flooding out of this man's mouth really overwhelmed me, and I realised then how difficult it would be to become that good. But was there smoke coming off the page as you wrote down everything this person was saying? You, you, you wanted to know everything at that point, didn't you? At that point, I realised I need to know more. Yeah. And I took on an internship with that company. So that was me. I think I went back eight times in total and did more learning, more practical. Um, I did some, some cupping, which is tasting. And then I did a, like a very exhausting 40-hour over a few different days, but 40 hours in total of practical training with Scotty. And that was just 
Who's Scotty? Scotty Callahan, who he has his own brand now called Tiempo, but he was working for the Bellaroma Coffee Company, which is now Seven Miles, and he was the face of that company, and also he's a World Latte Art Champ, Australia Barista Champion. So um, he's gone on to do some pretty incredible stuff. There's so much more to know, and I don't know enough. And the learning is never-ending. How do you keep on learning in a town like Broken Hill? To be completely honest with you, I'm so grateful that I have a fantastic friendship with another one of my trainers who was right alongside Scotty back in the day when I did my first certificate. And his name's Maddie Brown and he works for Seven Miles as well. And now we use Seven Miles Coffee Roasters Coffee here. I have kept in contact with him over the last 12 years and he's constantly fed me information. And years. Yeah. Sorry, over a decade of education with what sounds like one of Australia's best. Yeah, he, he really is. I think, so every time he visits us every six months, sometimes he does that before that and he loves coming he out here. He visits here? Yeah. yeah Twice absolutely. a year? Absolutely. He does all of our machine maintenance. He does all of our water filtration tests. He does constant training, constantly up I can, I can only maybe. imagine how intense those one, two days a year must be for this education. Sometimes it's really There's just a lot, of, it's, yeah. it's a lot of catching up over a bottle of red wine at, the, at Mario's Palace Hotel over a, a good steak and chips, which is quite an experience for him because he's a city, city guy and coming out here is quite an, a different experience for him. When I'm not here, not in Broken Hill, I go and I just drink coffee. I drink coffee, I eat food, I experience the, like, the vibe and the, the energy that's in these cafes and I learn and I, um, you know, it influences me and inspires me. So um, that's the way that I keep up to date with my education is that I just go and be customer. Very hands-on. What is the deal with the latte art? When you put, have something placed in front of you that looks beautiful, you immediately, it changes your mood and it does have an effect on your whole experience. And coffee is all about the whole experience. You know, it can't just be about blind tasting. You know, you don't have your eyes closed when you taste things. You see it and you smell it and then you experience it. And the latte art really does show a, a level of experience for, for, for the barista. So it does show you know, how much pride they take in their work and it shows that they, they believe that they are an artist. It's really difficult to p- produce identical coffees and, you know, so when somebody strives to do that it means that they really take a lot of pride in their work. You know, we're not all the same and every barista's hand is different but we take a lot of pride in making sure that there's latte out on every single one of our coffees because we believe that that's the way that it's supposed to be served. How much can we read into latte art? I think you should be looking at the consistency of the milk, the temperature of the milk, and if you've got some latte art on the top, they've taken the time to do it. You can definitely tell the difference between good latte art and bad, though. And that is all your own personal experience. But, you know, go out there and drink coffee. Go to somewhere different. Don't keep going to the same place. And if you want to become a good judge, then try everything. Try everywhere. You know, you're always going to get a bad one, but at least you know not to go back there and... You know, move on and, and support these people that are opening their own business and taking so much pride in exactly all the things that I've spoken about. And the risks today. are pretty big as well. You're going through this at the moment, isn't it? Opening a cafe. Like, yeah. you already have a cafe, but opening up a new cafe and I guess remembering what some of those risks may be. Yeah, I don't envy people, you know, striving to open a business in the city. Here we have the luxury of small town, not a lot of options, you know, the people that do things better than others are going to stand out and it's going to spread by word of mouth. Small community, that's, it's, it's easy. It's easy to get the reputation. 
you know, it happens immediately. Really don't envy people that are really trying to make it in the industry in the cities. As a coffee geek, Emily Keenan, how many more years or decades do you have of this? Oh, I could make coffee until I have to retire because I physically couldn't do it anymore. I love making coffee. Nothing... I, I find no hard work about it. But uh, running a business, on the other hand, being the first person that opens the door and being the last person to leave, it really does take its toll on your, your energy. And it's a lot of hard work. And a lot of times you don't have the option to say no. You don't have the option to call in sick. Uh, you don't have the option to take holidays. But I think this business, for us, we... We're looking long term. Whether or not we're all physically working in the cafe, that may change depending on our lifestyle and our circumstances you know, with the family. We will definitely be running this business for decades to come, absolutely. Emily Keenan, thanks very much for doing Radio Notes. Absolute pleasure. Pleasure, John. Thank you. Emily Keenan, cafe manager of The Silly Goat recorded on location in Broken Hill in 2017, can be found online at thesillygoatbrokenhill.com. Thanks for listening, and next time, Claire Ann Taylor, our very special guest. Radionotespodcast.com for show notes and links. Web design there by Steve Davis. Theme music by Martin Kennedy and All India Radio. I'm Tammy Weller. John Murch is the producer and host based in Adelaide, South Australia. Listener.